are in the fourth week of our series looking at the relationship between our faith and our work. We kicked off the series by looking at three surprising truths that the scriptures reveal about your work and mine. First, we said that work is good. The book of Genesis describes God from the beginning of time being a master craftsman who creates and organizes human beings. And in paradise, in Eden, God gives work to the first human beings. Second, because God gave us work, work's a gift. It's a gift. He gave work as a gift to humanity that we may partner with Him in shaping the world. We're partners with the Lord. And so we will experience a more abundant life as we see work as a gift. It is a gift that not only helps us survive, but also helps us to thrive and have a more meaningful life. Third, we need work. Our souls crave work. They crave long for making a contribution to our families, our loved ones, our world. It is through work we discover the gifts, the abilities that God gave us, which is a major component of who we come to know that we are. And so, if you missed the message, it's very important. We invite you to uh, go back and check your sweet spot as your workplace in last week's message, which you can get online. And today, well, today we're going to look at the skills and gifts that we have, the talents, and our passion, and how for them to come together in the workplace, something has to happen in us. And we'll see what it is that impedes your talents, your passions from nesting, from rooting in, from resting in a place we call work. And you and I can be the force that may be keeping our gifts and talents from that nesting, from that workplace. Our attitude about our workplace can keep us from having this become that and experience joy, flourishing, and extraordinary life. God has blessed work to be a glorious use of our gifts and passions and to find our sweet spot, as we said last week. But let's face facts. Sometimes work does not feel good, nor does it feel much like a gift. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> same for me. Yeah, same for me. But sometimes the word drudgery may <laughs> actually better suitable adjective to use for our work. You have to remember, we live in a fallen world, and as a result of sin, our work at times will feel futile, it will feel fruitless, it will feel frustrating. Recall that after the fall, God tells Adam he will now have to deal with thorns and thistles in keeping the Garden of Eden. And he shall plant and eat by the sweat of his brow. So in other words, we will still benefit from work, but now it will not be easy. The image of thorns and thistles, I think, is a vivid one for me. We lived next to a woods, and on the way home from school, I'd shortcut through the woods and come home with thorns and thistles around the bottom of my pant legs, pants legs. So th these things kind of get in the way. Similarly, we experience, you experience, in your workplace, thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles, like unhealthy conflicts and disagreements that come from office politics, rather than arguing the best strategy or solution to a problem. 
thorns and thistles, distractions, as people keep walking into your office and you're struggling to stay mentally focused. Thorns and thistles, when we feel down and defeated in making progress on a project. Or the worst one for me, spending an hour writing a few pages of text and then forgetting to save the document. Or unable to find it and where I stored it. So do I have your attention about thorns and thistles? I think so. We all experience some kind of that thistle thorn at work. Weeds that seem to come up again and again and choke our very best efforts. And our frustrations are often unique to our particular organization. So it happens in whatever you want to call your workspace, your family, your marriage, your relationships, the past school year for those who are now on summer vacation, but especially on your job. Again, remember, we live in a fallen world, and like all of creation, work will one day be restored to God's original intent. But for now, we live in the tension between work as good and work as struggle. And at times, we put too much expectation on our work situation. There is no perfect job, no perfect career, except for Father White. Let me tell you, and me, I guess. <laughs> Let me tell you, the first, I'm the first to say, just because you experience frustration in your work, it doesn't mean that you've chosen wrongly, or that you are not called to your profession, or that you should spend your life looking for the perfect career. That would be a fruitless search for anyone, but you can change your attitude about your workplace so that it can become a place where gifts, passion, can rest and flourish. To change your attitude about your workplace, expect to be regularly frustrated in your work, even though you may be in exactly the right vocation. At times, work is hard, and when we accept that work is hard, believe it or not, it becomes less hard. And the opposite is also true. When we expect work to be easy, we make it harder on ourselves. So if you feel unfulfilled in your work, or that God is calling you to a different career, follow God's lead. But don't be deceived that there will not be any frustrations in your new career or your new workplace. And here's another important principle. When it comes to dealing with frustrations at work, do not quit or decide to quit on a bad day. So your kid comes home frustrated with the game, wants to quit, uh-uh. You don't quit when you're feeling frustrated. Don't quit. Or you don't quit when you're in a spirit of desolation and all you can feel is darkness. Maybe your job is frustrating, but if you leave in the wrong spirit, you're going to wind up in the wrong place all over again. Actually, you could spend the rest of your life looking for the perfect work environment or company. Except that there will be no perfect workplace, and while there are toxic and dysfunctional workplaces, on the one hand, there are also healthy examples on the other. In every workplace, you will encounter some level of unhealth or dis-ease in the culture. This is because you work with people. Yeah, no surprise. And there's some level of sin or imperfection in all of us. 
You live in a fallen world and sin has worked its way into the human systems and is not easily uprooted. But by all means, if you are in a toxic work situation, work to get out of it. But don't be deceived into thinking the next environment won't have its own problems or issues. In our culture today, we can easily, it's easy for us to develop uh, an over-idealized view of work. Certainly, you want your work to be fulfilling and meaningful. That's a good thing. It's to be pursued. But be careful about idealism, about work that's going to be trouble-free, always fulfilling. Because on the other side of idealism is cynicism and bitterness. It's been said that the cynic is the frustrated idealist. Let me repeat that. The cynic is the frustrated idealist. So while we are not in control of the frustrations in our work environment, and we cannot eliminate many of the thorns and thistles from our work, there is something you can do and can always control. You can probably guess what it is. It's all about attitude. Attitude. Attitude will change the workplace as you perceive it and as you work in it, so that skills and passion have a place to nest, to rest, to become fruitful. What I'm calling for today is considering some latitude regarding attitude. Latitude regarding attitude. Allowing for a space of freedom of action or thought regarding our attitude. And when you know that latitude is the measurement of north and south, it kind of works well as representing God and us. Permit me to be a bit personal here. The church is often referred to as the bark of St. Peter. This bark, not woof woof, this bark, this boat, finds itself in a stormy sea, particularly in the last 20 years with the abuse crisis. Who could have imagined the storms, the struggles, the strife we're dealing with today? As a Catholic priest in this storm-tossed bark of St. Peter, my attitude was, I'm going to remain as a priest and effect change from within the church. And I do respect my brother priests who, do, who did what they had to do. But for me, I had to ask myself, Nicholas, what has to change in your attitude about the church? What helped me change my attitude and as a result my feelings about my workspace, the church, was to understand that the church is both human and divine, both. So to change my attitude and maximize my workplace, my gifts, my passion could get expressed, I needed to shift my focus on the church's divinity while not denying its humanity. But I'm not going to linger there. I'm not going to fret anymore. I'm not going to let it feed my negative thinking. Yeah. Changing the way I thought about the church, that is changing my attitude, made a big difference in my feelings about the church. And the change created my workplace into a place where my gifts and passion could be seated. And that in a nutshell, is why I stand here before you today, honestly. The second letter 
of St. Paul to the Corinthians, he offers us some very good advice when it comes to bringing the right attitude to your workplace. This comes at the end of his letter. Paul has written a letter to challenge the Corinthians and all of us to stop their infighting, their spirit of competition, and instead to work together and have a better attitude toward one another. And I think what he says can apply to us within our work environments. What he describes, I'd like to be a checklist for you for how you enter your workplace. So as I go through the four points of this checklist, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but understand that no one is going to get a perfect score. But it gives you a, a vision, a goal to check off, as I say, each one. Well, here's the passage. Brothers and sisters, rejoice, mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So in just one verse, we see three key attitudes we can bring to our work. You can bring to your work, or not bring to your work. So first, he says rejoice. Bring an attitude and spirit of joy with you to work. Bring a pleasant attitude to work. Look for opportunities to share that joy with others. Key word, have an attitude of joy. So when it comes to your work, you can have joy as you approach each day with gratitude that you have a place to work, that you have a job that puts food on the table. When work feels frustrating, you can choose joy by smiling at others or choosing to look at how we are bringing value into their lives. Take a moment to think about how much joy you bring into the workplace or how little you bring. Your fellow workers know, do you? Second, Paul says that we are to encourage one another. We can check our attitude to see if we encourage others at work. Key word, encourage one another. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, once said, What's the telltale sign that someone needs to be encouraged? His answer, that they are breathing. Yeah, breathing. That's all it takes. Everyone needs to be encouraged. While it's very easy to criticize and find the dirt and the dross in others at work or point out their weakness, as Christ's followers, we are called to find the gold, even though it's fine dust, the gold in others. Find the good in people. No matter what else is going on in your work, you can cultivate a more positive attitude by looking for the good your coworkers are doing and pointing it out. Now, for those of you who are listening here or online, if you're a leader or a manager, do you know, of course you know, what gets rewarded gets repeated. If you will take the time to encourage good things you are seeing, they will be repeated more often. This doesn't mean you have to accept mediocre work or not offer feedback, but we do it with the spirit to make someone better and help them grow rather than cripple them. I think it is especially important to encourage the younger generation or the people just a little bit younger than you. And for me, that's everybody. Yeah. Be an encourager to people younger than you. Third, Paul says, be agreeable with one another. So another way to check your attitude 
at work is to see if, you, if you're perceived as agreeable or disagreeable. Your workers know. Do you know what they know? Be agreeable. Agreeable means to look to agree or find common ground with others rather than disagreeing with them for the purpose of disagreeing. It means we look to be cooperative rather than competitive. So we can evaluate ourselves in a few different ways. When someone has a different idea at work, do we reject it out of hand or do we seek first to understand and then be understood? Sounds like St. Francis of Assisi. Do we just say no automatically if someone has a different idea or do we hear them out? Sometimes, yeah, we feel frustrated with coworkers because they don't see the world as we do. Imagine that. We can keep getting frustrated or we can work to find what we can agree with them on. Have an attitude that's agreeable without compromising ourselves and then hopefully they will do the same. Paul continues, I promised you there were four, Paul, con Paul continues with a fourth and a final key attitude. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the holy ones greet you. So, the fourth way we can bring a positive attitude is simply by greeting one another. How difficult is that? Greet one another. Smile at people as you walk by them in the hallways or say hello to people at the start of the day or throughout the course of the day. That brings a positive attitude into the workplace. For some of you, this comes more easily than others. For introverts, I'm sure there are some out there, this might be more difficult. I guess you've guessed I'm not an introvert. And challenging. But no matter what else is going on at work, you can bring a positive attitude <clears throat> to your workplace by just greeting others. Try a 10-second sharing with them of something they did well. It's a great way to greet. If you like tight little bundles, here's the checklist. Have an attitude of joy. Encourage one another. Be agreeable. Greet one another. Paul ends his letter with what we call a Trinitarian formula. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, there's the Trinity, be with you all. That's his wish. He, it speaks of the love within the Trinity and how that love in the Trinity, we're the recipients of it. The grace, the love, the fellowship. Imagine that, the life of the Trinity given to us. A special insight to take from this blessing on the Feast of the Holy Trinity, which is today. It's interesting to think of the Trinity as kind of a workplace, a workshop. Yeah, like a workshop where three distinct persons are interacting with each other, they have individual gifts, and they each have a deep passion. So the Father has the gift of creating. The Son has the gift of redeeming. The Holy Spirit is the connector, the conduit, the collaborator. It's how the grace gets from there to here. So, to sum up, the Holy Trinity is a workplace. We can only try to mirror that. And one day, when we're in heaven, we'll be part of that workspace. But for now, this is our workspace, where you go tomorrow morning. To sum up all that we talked about, what change in attitude would help you bring the quality 
of your workplace up just a notch, just a notch. What steps could you take after some prayer and reflection that could make a difference in your workplace starting tomorrow? You can use the discussion questions we have for the end of the Mass to help you on your reflection. You can evaluate yourself on joy, encouragement, agreeableness, greeting of others. Work will be frustrating from time to time, as we know. We don't control that, but we do control our attitude. And we can ask for the grace of God to help us develop a better one. Attitude changes your workplace. It will give you not the perfect workplace, but it will help improve that workspace. And it will give you a place that your skills and your passion can rest and flourish. Are you willing to give it a try? That's the question. Those steps, as we say, are made for Monday. Hey everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.